We read today from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter, verses 2 through 14. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those with a skin disease are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violent people take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. We often talk about Advent as a season of expectation. And let's be honest. While we wait expectantly to celebrate the coming of Jesus, we also have a lot of expectations around the season of Advent itself. Right now. All over Winston-Salem, people have their expectations about what Christmas Eve at home church will look like and smell like and taste like. They have their expectations. We have our expectations. We all come into Advent looking for something. What are you looking for? If your answer is John the Baptist, well, you will never be disappointed. In churches that follow the Revised Common Lectionary for Scripture readings, as we do, John the Baptist makes an appearance every Advent in verses that are sometimes from Matthew, like today's reading, sometimes from Mark or Luke or John. Did you get that? Given the many differences in the four Gospels, when something or someone is present in all four, we should pay attention. When we pay attention to John the Baptist, what do we see? What do we expect to see? What are we looking for? In Jesus' day, whole crowds of people went looking for John. Matthew says the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. What were they looking for? Baptism. Something no one had ever experienced, not in this way. Washing rituals were part of a Jew's daily life, moving a person from the ritual state of unclean to the ritual state of clean. But a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin? That was new. Something was happening. 
something that connected with the ancient prophecy of the Jews. John was like the prophet Isaiah crying, prepare the way of the Lord. The Messiah was coming. The Messiah who would put things to right, which must mean putting the world in order. And people who knew the world was very much not in order wanted to see that happen. Maybe they looked for it to happen right in front of them with a flash of fire and a clash of thunder as they lined up all along the Jordan to be baptized. How did the baptized feel after John was thrown into prison? Hoping to catch a glimpse of the world made right, they had made themselves vulnerable to a new experience, but their baptizer wound up in jail. That surely did not come out the way they expected. And John himself, what about his expectations? He had thought Jesus might be the Messiah, but here John sat unjustly imprisoned because people in power found him threatening. The world was clearly not in order. So John sends his disciples to confront Jesus with a straight-up question, are you the one who is to come, or should we wait for another? Jesus responds, go and tell John what you hear and see. In other words, you don't have to ask if you're looking for evidence that is all around you. But just in case they missed it, Jesus lists a few things that are happening. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those with a skin disease are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. This all lines up with prophecy. What it doesn't really line up with is our expectations of order. Because that kind of healing, that kind of power, that is not orderly. That kind of healing is explosive. It can blow society to pieces. Think about the story in Matthew 8 where Jesus frees two men from torment by casting the demons that have tortured them into a herd of pigs. The herd runs downhill and drowns in the sea. When the terrified herdsmen bear this tale into town, all the people come looking for Jesus. To follow him? To give him the key to the city? No, to beg him to leave. They don't want that kind of power around. It is much too disruptive to their expectations. Social order depends on expectations. Some expectations are reasonable and right. Food and shelter, health care, opportunity, justice. But an unjust social order depends on unjust expectations. For example, that people with little power stay in the places where the powerful want to keep them. Oppression creates a certain kind of order, but not the kind that represents the coming of the Messiah, not the kind that really puts the world right, not the kind that John was crying out for people to prepare for. We think of repentance as creating order in people's lives. All those people on the Jordan, whatever they'd been up to, whatever sins they had committed, whatever messes they had made of their lives, repentance would turn them all around. That's what repent means, turn around. 
Imagine the phenomenon of hundreds of sinners simultaneously repenting. What peace that would bring. What tranquility. What order. What chaos. What chaos will result when all those sinners break the paradigms around which their families have built their systems. Unhappy systems, but functioning in their way. What chaos will come when all those sick people get healed and then expect independence and opportunity? What chaos when all those prisoners are set free and then need a job and a community? What chaos when all who have been blind and deaf to injustice suddenly see and hear it and expect people to do something about it? No wonder the authorities threw John into prison. But if people didn't expect chaos. Why did they go to John in the first place? That's Jesus' question. What'd you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. Jesus reminds them, you didn't go looking for order. You didn't go looking for someone who would quiet the world by bending in the right way before every breeze. You don't expect order from those who live comfortably in luxury and the assumed authority of wealth. You know this, because you went out into the wilderness looking for something. No one goes out into the wilderness expecting to be made comfortable. People go out to the wilderness expecting to be challenged. Not one gospel shows Jesus starting his ministry before he seeks out John for a baptism. John always baptizes Jesus before Jesus gets started. What is so necessary about John the Baptist that he shows up so insistently in the story of Jesus? What is so necessary that we should make him a part of our Advent expectations? Maybe it's discomfort. Maybe it's chaos. We need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to his wildness, his fiery preaching, his call for repentance, his prophecy, the threat he poses to our comfort and our longing for order. We need to pay attention and ask ourselves what we are looking for. Should the church run away from chaos or run toward it? Run away from discomfort or run toward it. Now, as a rule, we don't come to church looking for chaos. I get that. We usually come to church expecting at least a little peace. And that is not an unreasonable expectation. My father used to say that church should be like a hospital, caring for its members in order to send them back out to keep doing God's work. God's work is hard enough that we all need regular visits to the hospital. Then again, I don't know what hospitals you've been to, but there's not a lot of peace in any that I've been to. Moving forward through chaos is very hard work. Sometimes it's scary work. Prophets can be terrifying. One pastor told me just this past week that he showed up once to teach a children's lesson dressed as John the Baptist and scared all the children half to death. But even as they urge us on with words of challenge, prophets can also speak words of comfort. Comfort, comfort my people, God says to Isaiah. 
Note that God doesn't say, be comfortable, Isaiah. God urges the prophet, prophet to speak comfort to others. But in speaking comfort to others, we can find our own comfort as well. Advent, like Lent, is a season of repentance. And John the Baptist is the one who points our way. Repent, he cries. Turn back. Turning back means getting your feet back on the right path, but not in order to go backwards on it. Not to try to find our way back to a time that seems in our imagination more orderly when people stayed in their places and society met our expectations. Once on the right road, we must find our way forward through the holy chaos of God doing what God will do to bring about God's kingdom on earth. We come to church with many expectations. We are looking for many things. But let one of them be this. Look for church to be the wilderness, the place we go expecting to be challenged. If we forget to look for that, we might always be content not to see it. What have we come to Advent to see? May it be what God wants us to see. And may it be our joy and our challenge. In the name of Jesus, amen.